Satan. First John, the third chapter. We began yesterday on this. We'll review just a little bit for those who weren't with us. But we got excited. Hmm? Me and four other people got, got, got excited. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, you, you guys are so easy to preach to. Wow. I'm telling you, if you can't preach to you, might need your preacher papers pulled. So it's wonderful how, how hungry you are, how all of us are for the word. It just makes it so easy. But we looked at this great word here in 1 John 3 and 8. And the latter part of it says, For this purpose was the Son of God manifested, that He might destroy the works of the devil. Everybody say destroy. Destroy. The works of the devil. devil. This is one of those great New Testament statements that affirms why Jesus came. Why did he come? And it's important to to talk about this because people have come up with all kind of ideas why Jesus came. Jesus didn't come to start a new religion. He didn't come just to give us uh, a standard of behavior to match. He, he didn't come just to give us a bunch of wise sayings and, and set us a good example. He, he did all that, of course, but for this purpose was the Son of God manifested, the Word was made flesh, dwelt among us, that He might destroy the works of the devil. The Amplified says it like this. The reason the Son of God was made manifest was to undo. And then it gives a parenthesis. Destroy, loosen, dissolve the works the devil has done. And that's that's what that word means. You look up the definitions. I think that's a very good description. Undo. He has undone what the devil did. Hallelujah. And I mean everything the devil done did. He has undone it. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you read in the book of Romans, and you see this in other places in the New Testament, in the King James language, it's a little bit obscure, some some of the statements. But basically, he keeps talking about that what happened in in Romans, you know, 5, 6, 7, and 8, especially, what happened in Christ is far greater than what happened with Adam. Do you believe it or not? Amen. Now, almost every child of God will agree with this. 
in church. <laughs> but on a Tuesday afternoon, when you're feeling a certain way, and the enemy is bringing things to your mind, people can think, well, I'm damaged goods because of what I've been through. Because of my life. And the devil's always telling you that you've been through things that nobody else has ever been through. Now, he's a liar, so when he opened his mouth, you should have known what he's about to tell you was not true. But come on, has he ever told you that? Nobody knows. Sounds like the start of a blues song. Nobody. Nobody knows. Nobody. <laughs> what you've been through. How you've hurt. That's a lie. Everybody is going through the same kind of stuff. The Bible says so. Same afflictions are happening with your brethren throughout the world. There has no temptation, trial, test taken you, but such as is common to man. What you've gone through is common stuff. And it's really a form of pride. Ugly pride. That you think you are so unique and so special on the planet that the devil has arrayed half of his forces against you. And put you through stuff that nobody's ever been through because of what? Who are you? <laughs> That's another message. But do you believe it? Would you just take it by faith that what the enemy was able to do with Adam and Eve that resulted in the fall and in the curse and in the death that followed the curse. And now what we're talking about with that is a lot of terrible stuff. All of the pain, all of the suffering. His works, the devil's works are summed up in John 10.10. 10, the stealing, the killing, the destroying. And it's happening all over the planet right now. It's terrible. How the cruelty, the horrific things that have happened are happening. But is what God has done... Through Jesus, big enough to undo everything that the devil has done, which includes everything the enemy has been able to do through your family, your friends, your life, in your body, in your emotions, in your perspective, your take on life. You'll hear a lot of Christians these days. A lot of songs are written talking about how broken we are. You may say, well, the Bible said, you know, God's close to somebody who's broken, contrite spirit. Broken in the sense of humility, not in the sense of damaged goods. 
Jesus didn't come to patch us up. We're not an improved creation. We are. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Well, that means he has undone everything that the enemy was able to do in stealing and killing and destroying in your life. Oh, friends, we do not have to drag one leg through life spiritually and just hope that we make it through. You hear people say, oh, you know, please, Jesus, come. Come now. Come this afternoon. I owe money. Come, come now. <laughs> so many are believing Jesus to come as a rescue mission. But he's coming back. Not for damaged goods. Not for a broken miserable, defeated, but he's coming back for a glorious, glorious, glorious church. He's made us almost conquerors. <laughs> I heard somebody say hyper Nike. <clears throat> I guess it's maybe Hooper Nike, but Hyper Nike sounds pretty good. That means more than a conqueror. More. Now we talked about this. To conquer an enemy means you won the battle. You won the war. That's conquering. What's more than? More than is making it like they never existed. You don't stop with beating them. You tear down all their buildings. You destroy all their memorials. You take them out of the history books. You destroy their language. So that in just a few years, nobody knew they ever existed. That is what Jesus has done to the devil. If the devil had any idea, he would have never crucified the Lord of glory because he was playing right in to the prophecy that God spoke in the book of Genesis. Hallelujah, that the seed would come. Praise God. And he, through his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, has undone. Everybody say undone. Undone. All 
the works of the devil. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, it hurts the devil for us to talk about this. He doesn't want to hear this. Because <laughs> soon he's going to be removed from human contact. And he's going to be released just a little while. And then he's going to be removed permanently. And the eons will go on and on and on and the beings that come along, uh, if somebody mentions devil, uh, you'll have to explain what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> A devil. <laughs> and there's nothing worse for a being who is the epitome of pride mm. than to have all of your works undone and then have your history erased. You'll see even with our presidents in the U.S. Through executive, you know, privilege, one president can do a number of things. The next president can come along and undo it. (laughs) With a pen stroke. Well, the Bible said it was the exceeding greatness of God's power that he wrought in Christ. When he raised him from the dead. And he set him at his own right hand. Far different from what happened when he raised Lazarus from the dead. When Jesus cast out spirits he, in his earthly ministry. He said he did it with the finger of God. Not even the hand of God. Finger. He said shut up and come out. And the Holy Spirit went. Mm. I'm telling you. Finger. Finger. And then there are times when the hand of the Lord would come on someone or then come on strong. But the exceeding greatness of his power, God pushed up his sleeve. <laughs> it took his exceeding greatness of his power to raise Jesus from the dead. Why? Because when he raised him, he raised all of us. Free from sin, eternally, hallelujah, free from all the effects of the curse and sin and death. Hallelujah. And he has done it. If he has done it, then why are so many Christians living with obvious effects? Of the curse and sin. Well, I thought you might ask that. So, (laughs) go to John, please. Chapter 14. Thank you, Lord, for this meeting. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you for letting us all be here. And everybody joining us online. Thank you. And everybody that will join us later. John 14. This is a a, a verse that just blesses me so much every time I read it. Right before Jesus went to the cross, I mean, moments before, he went to the scourging post and the cross. John 14, 30, he said this. 
He said, Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world comes and has nothing in me. Hmm. The, the Young's literal says, the ruler of this world does come. I like that better because the devil's no prince in my book. <laughs> he may be ruling, but it's temporary. The ruler of this world does come. And in me, he has nothing. Say that out loud. In me, he has nothing. Why would Jesus say that? Because, sadly, the enemy has a lot in a lot of people. And Jesus has been functioning and living as a man, not operating as God. But through his entire life, he never let him in, him, in any degree. Can a Christian let the devil get something in them? Well, Ephesians says, neither give place, right, to the devil. Don't give him any place. And in that passage, he talks about anger, among other things. And um, he talks about lying. These are two of the biggest ways that the enemy gains access to human beings' minds and emotions and bodies. Through lying and through anger and rage. Because when you yield to lying and deception, regardless of your justification for it, the only place you can get a lie is from the devil. God doesn't have any. Are y'all with me? God didn't create deception. The devil is the father of it. He took abilities God gave him as the anointed cherub and twisted it enough to father lying. Yes. So if you or I yield to deception and lying, we, we have to give him place. And the more you hold to a lie, whether you're ashamed or scared or for whatever reason, if you hold on to a lie, then the enemy has a place in you. Doesn't mean you're lost. You're not possessed. Hmm? But he has something in a part of your being because you're holding on to it. Yes. And anger and rage. And unforgiveness. And bitterness. If you yield to that, you've given him a place. And those things are often attached to physical problems too. Especially when you, when you let the enemy have that place in you, that hurt, that bitterness, that rage, those lies for years. It starts abscessing in you. 
and affects your immune system. It affects your organs, your bones, your body, your nervous system. Of course, you can't see it under a microscope, so there'll have to be some name given to it. And I'm not saying that's 100% of every case. I'm saying that happens. Well, you saw in the ministry of Jesus, there'd be people that had physical issues, and he'd cast a spirit out of them, and the physical problems were gone. Right? There are many causes for, for that. Don't try to make a hard and fast rule with that. What, what we're saying is, many people have given the enemy place in different degrees. In their mind, their feelings, their body. No child of God is possessed. Can't be. Can't be. But the enemy can gain a place if you yield it to him. And because of us growing up in this dark, cursed place, because sometimes our parents were messed up on some things, and our grandparents or didn't even have any parents, or, and, and just the ugliness and darkness of the world, you can have some dark things entangled in your thinking. Not your, not your recreated human spirit, but in your thinking. Think about this. What, what did Romans 12 say? Verse 3. Don't be conformed. Everybody say conformed. Conform means to fashion alike. Don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. He's talking to believers, right? Can a believer be conformed to the world? And yet you're born again. You love God. You're going to heaven when you die. But to be conformed means you have you are like the world. And there's a word... That we're going to see, if we, as we have time, the scripture calls entangled. Tells us more than once, don't be entangled. Talking to believers. Don't be entangled with the affairs of this life. And dear hardness is a good soldier. Don't be entangled with sin uh, after you've been delivered from it. Don't be entangled. Everybody say entangled. entangled. And, en- and entangled is like a braid. Like something that's braided, like a rope, or like hair. Well, if something's braided, and it's braided completely and tightly, it's hard to tell where this starts and where this stops. Hmm? But good news. For this purpose was the Son of God manifested. That He might destroy Undo. Undo. That exact same word is translated loose and untie. It's the same Greek word that's described when they untied the donkey that Jesus rode on. Everybody say untie. Why did the Lord need to be manifested so that things would be undone and untied? Are y'all okay? What are we talking about? Go to 1 Corinthians um, 
10. 1 Corinthians 10. And then I think we'll look at 2 Corinthians 6. I know some of this, you know, might, you might not just uh, swallow instantly. You know, a stronger food you have to chew before you swallow, right? 1 Corinthians 10. Verse 16, he said, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? Is he writing to Christians? Yes. Oh, without question. The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Now, the same word translated communion can be translated fellowship. It means a sharing. Sharing. But I say that the thing, verse 20 the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils. That's the word for demons. And not to God. I would not that you should have fellowship with demons. Can a Christian have communion with a demon? You don't lose your will just because you became a Christian and got born again. That's right. You can, you can fellowship with whatever you want to. Yep. It's true. He said, uh, the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons, not to God. I would not that you should have fellowship with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of demons. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Why would the Lord be jealous? Because you're yielding to something, fellowshipping with something that's his enemy. Hmm? Now, especially if you were non-believer for any time before you got saved, and you lived an ungodly lifestyle, there were wrong spirits that you piled around with, whether you knew it or not. Hmm? And one reason why you shouldn't go to certain places is because of the spirits that are manifest there. And that you shouldn't fellowship with certain people is because if you hang with them, you wind up yielding to what they yield to. And it's just like, you know, maybe the Bible said that, you know, you've been uh, given to Christ as a chaste virgin and the marriage uh, feast is already being planned but these old spirits you used to hang with would pull up in the driveway on a Saturday night and honk the horn and go hey hey you remember us you remember how we used to do it how we used to party how we used to get that they will try to get you to yield to them. And you got a free will. You can yield to whatever you want to yield to. And if you yield to a wrong thing, it doesn't mean you lost. Doesn't mean the Lord doesn't love you anymore. But if you're married, how do, is your spouse okay? Are you going out? <laughs> Hanging out with other people and wrong things. That's why the Lord would be provoked to jealousy. 
Verse 23, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Verse 20, he said, they sacrifice these things to demons and not to God. I do not wish you to come into fellowship, the fellowship of demons. Let's talk about entertainment. Every book, every script is inspired by some spirit. People that are gifted writers are inspired by spirits other than themselves. Good things are inspired by the Holy Spirit. Bad things are inspired by wrong spirits. So that script came from somewhere. Those ideas came from somewhere. Right? And if you shut up and immerse yourself in it and live vicariously through it, and try to experience all the lows and the highs, well, you are fellowshipping with whatever inspired that script. If you yield to depression, if you yield to bitterness, if you yield to rage and depression, and you close all the windows and you, 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 you know, lay there and cry and feel sorry for yourself. Well, folks, if folks could just have a um, discerning spirits and see what they are wallowing in the bed with, <laughs> they would jump up. <laughs> they would rebuke it and resist it. They would go shower 12 times. <laughs> I'm telling you. Doesn't mean you lost. But you're yielding to something. This God's enemy. And you're married. Somebody say, I'm married. To the Lord Jesus. And I'm faithful. To him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's faithful to us. Right? Does that mean more to you even now to hear what Jesus said? The ruler of this world's coming. He knew it's, it's moments before he's going through the cross and the whipping post. He said, but he has nothing in me. Don't you like that confession? Come on, say it out loud. The devil has nothing in me. Now it's up to us whether that's true or partially true or completely true. But Jesus is our example and he shows us how to do it, how it can be, how it's supposed to be. Look with me in 2 Corinthians. The sixth chapter. Now we, if you've lived very long and been out in the world, son, you, you've made a mistake in these areas. 
This is not about condemnation. We, we've all watched things we shouldn't have watched. Huh? You don't need to raise your hand. Just, we, <laughs> listen to things we shouldn't have listened to. Talked about things we shouldn't have talked about. Why? Because the whole world lies under the power and influence of darkness. First John says. And Satan is the God and the ruler of this world. You and I are the light in this dark world. We are the salt. We're supposed to be different. Very different from the ungodly world. As different as light is from darkness. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians six fourteen. What did the Lord say? Is he writing to Christians? The saints at Corinth. Be not, 614, 2 Corinthians, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? None. What communion, there's that word, communion, fellowship, has light with darkness? What's the answer? What, what do we have in common? With the devil and his things and dark, nothing. What concord has Christ with Belial or Belial, a name for the devil? What part has he that believes with an infidel? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? What's the answer to every one of these? None, 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 none. For you are the temple of the living God. Oh, somebody say, I, I am the temple of the living God. Now, now, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, but all of us collectively are the temple of the living God. All of us make up, make up his temple. As God has said, I will dwell in them. I will walk in them. I will be their God. And they'll be my people. Wherefore... Be inclusive. No, come on. No way. Come on, talk about it. Come on. Huh? Talk about it. What he Be inclusive. No. Come on. No. Did I read that wrong? Wherefore? Be tolerant. No. No? Oh, you're politically incorrect. No? No? <laughs> Be inclusive. Some years ago, I was watching a uh, internationally known interview news program, and a, a man of God was being interviewed. I don't know this man well, but I, I respect him greatly and so impressed with how God is using him. But this commentator, who doesn't claim to be a believer, was kind of grilling him and pushing him about ungodly lifestyles, about this and that. And he's saying, well, didn't Jesus preach love and acceptance? Didn't he? And he's pushing the preacher about it. And, and the preacher said, well, yeah, yeah. And when he said it, the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. That's not what I preached. Come on. 
You see how subtle the enemy is? Now, who, who would argue with that? Jesus preached love and acceptance. Love and acceptance. What, who's who's, who's going to disagree with that? Jesus? He told me. He said, no, I didn't. I said, wow. <laughs> so I went back to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I went back and looked specifically what did Jesus preach? He preached repentance and the kingdom of God. Main things he preached. He preached repentance. Now that's a big, or is it? Is repentance about the same thing as acceptance? (laughs) About the same thing. No, repentance is not the same thing. Whew, I'm just going to let that settle in just a little bit. <laughs> Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. What did the Lord say? Come out. Is this still the Bible? Come on, is this, is this the New Testament? Is this for believers? Come out. From among them and be ye separate, says the Lord, and touch not. Touch not. What does it mean, touch not? Listen to this phrase. If any two of you agree as touching anything you ask in prayer, you touch something when you are in faith with other people and with the Holy Spirit. You touch something. In the unseen realm. Well, just like you can touch holy things in the unseen realm, you can touch unclean things by where you let your mind go or your feelings or emotions. You're actually touching it and letting it touch you inside. And again, if we only saw some of this stuff, you'd never do it again. Come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. You know, the book of God's dealings with this first covenant people, Israel, types and shadows for us all the way through. And God, through a outstretched and mighty arm and hand, brought them out of Egypt. I mean, you could tell Pharaoh was never going to let them go. But he had no choice. I mean, and every one of those plagues was slapping down one of their gods and one of their beliefs and showing God's supremacy and that it ain't even close. But when he brought them out and he began to take them, it should have been a relatively quick, short journey straight across to the promised land and going in. But here's the deal. Even though he got them out of Egypt, he didn't get the Egypt out of them. It was entangled. 
with their thinking, their believing, their talking. Go to Acts 7, please. Acts 7. 37. Moses said, he said, this Moses which said to the children of Israel, a prophet shall the Lord your God raise up to your brethren like to me. Him shall you hear. Verse 39, to whom our fathers would not obey, but thrust him from them and in their hearts turned back again to Egypt. That was the problem. They said to Aaron, make us gods. To go before us. For as for this Moses which brought us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's become of him. He hasn't been gone two months. And they're like, I don't know if he's ever coming back. Or, Well, people got a short memory. They sure do. This is a man that delivered them out of bondage. They made a calf in those days. They offered sacrifice to the idol, rejoiced in the works of their own hands. Then God turned and gave them up To worship the host of heaven. Did you know he will let you do what you want to do? Yes. You're that way. If somebody that you love is supposed to love you. And you find out they want somebody else more than you. Let them have them. She said let them have them. Right? (laughs) You're that way, aren't you? You love somebody, you're in covenant with them, they've loved you, you thought, but they found somebody new. And you've lost your luster in their eyes. (laughs) What does it make you want to say? Well, have fun with that. You don't... Hmm? God is this way. If you don't want to, if you're not willing, what kind of giver does God love? Cheerful. If you don't want to give, He knows what you're giving. You don't want to do it. You don't want to serve Him. Even though He chose you and has a plan for you, if you reject Him long enough and say, I don't want it, I want something else, He will say, okay. Do what you want to do. It'll be bad for you. but And notice what was going on. He said, O house of Israel, have you offered to me slain beasts and sacrifices by the space of 40 years in the wilderness? You took up the tabernacle of Moloch, the star of your god Rimpham. Figures you made to worship them. I'll carry you away to Babylon. They took their false gods with them. When they left Egypt, after God shook the mightiest empire on the planet, brought it to its knees, did amazing signs and wonders that had never been seen or even thought of. Do you remember what happened the night when uh, the, the angel, destroying angel passed over the firstborn? He told him to eat the body of the lamb and amazing healing happened throughout the whole camp. And he told them to ask about money and stuff. And and Bible said they spoiled the Egyptians. And they came out with silver and with gold. And there wasn't one feeble person among all their tribes. God has delivered you. 
God paid you. God healed you. And then on the way out, you grab your little idol. You grab your little idol and take it with you. Somebody say, no, oh no, no, no. Well, isn't that being inclusive? You know, everybody's religion. Got to respect everybody's beliefs. People say, well, you know, I got my truth. And you have to, you know, be honest with your truth. No, dear one. When you say my truth, you know what you're saying? You're saying the truth is whatever I say it is. Truth is not relative. Jesus is the truth. Thy word is truth. It's not ambiguous. It's not relative. It never changes. There's no your truth, my truth. There's the the truth. The truth. Well, you're just being narrow. You're just being narrow, Brother Keith. Yeah, and I'm saved. I'm saved. There's a way that's broad that includes everything. And it goes right off the end into destruction. And there's a straight and a narrow way. And there's only one way to the Father. There's only, what about all those other religions? I'm sorry, but it's still true. There's only one way to the Father. His name is Jesus. Only one. No man comes to the Father, Jesus said, except by me. He said, if you don't believe I'm the one, you will die in your sins. That's what Jesus said in John. Aren't you glad? You're not out somewhere lost today. Aren't you glad? The Lord helped you to see this and know this and believe this. And your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And they're working on your place today. They're working, getting it ready for you to. Oh, it's going to be so nice. So nice. So nice. Listen to how the enemy does things. He never comes to the front door. Never. He never comes as the devil. If you're looking for something with horns and a pitchfork and a red suit, you're easily tricked and deceived. He transforms himself into an angel of light. His M.O. is to try to pass himself off as a messenger from God. His M.O. is to try to get you to think this came from God. And he is good at quoting scriptures. Isn't that what he did with Jesus? He quoted scriptures. Is that right? So not everybody that's quoting scriptures is right. The devil quotes scriptures. <laughs> uh, whew, thank you, Lord. The Bible said that when they went up from Egypt, there was a mixed multitude. Everybody say mixed multitude. That went up with them. And they brought their gods and their idols. 
And the Lord had forbidden him. Do you remember how many times he said, you don't let your sons marry their daughters. You don't let their daughters marry your sons. And I says, oh, that's, that's being prejudiced. Oh, that's, being, that's not being inclusive. Oh, oh, oh. It's got nothing to do about, you know, where you grew up or your skin tone. This has to do with what you believe. What you worship. But when it comes to this, you cannot fellowship with people fellowshipping with wrong spirits without it touching you and getting off on you. Something's going to happen. They're going to come your way or you're going to go their way. And the Bible said evil communications corrupt good manners. He that walks with wise men will be wise. A companion of fools will be destroyed. Does it matter who you hang out with? Yeah. I know a, a young man, well, he's, he's older now, but back when this started, he was very young. He, he was hopelessly addicted to the hardest of drugs. And this is decades ago. And he had taken so many and so much bad stuff, it had messed up his mind and his brain. And he just wasn't, his intelligence, was, intelligence wasn't all there like it should be. And, and he, uh, some Christians got to him. And loved him. Hallelujah. And got him to church. And he got born again. And over the next course, course of the months and years. He, he kept going in the things of God. And he, he actually wound up training some for the ministry. And married a wonderful woman. And got all of his cognitive abilities back. And then more. And, and pioneered he and his wife a church. And it grew and developed and has been around for, I don't know, 40 years or something now. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. I asked him about that before a person. I said, Hi, what was one of the biggest things that, that you had to do on that? Because he said, I couldn't hang with my old friends. He said, I knew. I would, I would get right back into it because, and he said, this is my whole life circle. These are people that I've been with for years, but all they think about is drugs. You know, they're either doing drugs or, or getting high or coming down, thinking about how to get drugs. It's drugs, drugs, drugs. How many understand? You've just been delivered. You, you dare not go back around that. Oh, but God delivered me and healed me. You dare not go around it. You need a new set of friends. And if you try to hang with that old crowd, I'll read to you what it's going to be like. Second Peter. <laughs> Second Peter 2. Second Peter 2.18. It said individuals mouth empty boastful words by appealing to lustful desires of sinful human nature. This is the NIV. They entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. This is 2 Peter 2, 19 now. They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. Whether it's tobacco, alcohol, cocaine, sex, spending, whatever. If it's mastered you, and, and you hear people say, oh, I can quit anytime I want. Show us. Show us. <laughs> you can with God's help. But people kid themselves about that they're, that they're mastered by it. If they've escaped 
the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord Jesus, Savior Jesus Christ, they are again what? Entangled. Entangled. Everybody say entangled. Entangled. What did Jesus come to do? (laughs) Undo. Untie. Loose. Oh, somebody say loose, loose, loose. They are again entangled. That means to, to be weaved together, entwined, braided in it and are overcome. They're worse off at the end than at the beginning. And it, it gives the example of a dog going to his throw up and, and a sow that just got cleaned up going back to wallowing in the mud. Why would you do that? No rational thinking person would logically do it. And yet the enemy will come and tempt and try to keep some of this in you. But when these things come up, listen to the phrase. The enemy, the devil comes, the prince of this world, he has nothing in me. Since you've been born again, since the Holy Spirit has come into you, and if you yielded to him on you, greater is he who is in me, in you. Somebody say, in me, in me, in me, than he that is in the world. Oh, somebody say, greater. Don't let the devil tell you, you can't help but yield. You can't help but stay entwined. It's a lie. If you couldn't help it, then the one in you is not greater. Come on, can you see that? Then the one coming against you. Come on, I want you to, we, we've said it a bunch of times, but let's say it like we believe it this time. Greater, greater, greater is the one in me than he that's in the world. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. And there are, what did what the, what the Bible say? Submit yourself to God. What? Resist. The devil, and he will flee from you. Brother Hagin said one time he's ministering some people, and the Lord gave him discerning of spirits. And he saw a spirit that was holding on to the side of somebody. Now he's not, that spirit's not in them. But he's oppressing them. And he said, I command you to leave that person. He said it turned and said, I don't have to leave. He said, yes, you do. In Jesus' name, you have to go. He said, no, I don't have to go. They want me. And if they want me, I don't have to go. Brother Hagin said, well, you're right. You're right. He he, he perceived when he said that, that's exactly what was going on. That's why the Bible said, don't love the world. Don't love the things that are in the world. Hmm? If you love the world... I'm I'm paraphrasing now. That's a replacement for the love of the Father. We got flesh. It hasn't been regenerated yet. It can be tempted in all kind of ways. And, uh, you know, like Brother Creflo was talking about last night, I mean, rules won't get it done. But the thing that will give you power to tap into the resources of the Holy Spirit is no matter how much your flesh may want something, your heart loves somebody else more. Oh, somebody say, I love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all 
all my strength and greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. And there are times if you yielded to something you shouldn't have. Again, doesn't mean you're possessed. But if, if you've given the enemy a place through any of these things we've mentioned and others. There are times you need to speak right up, right out loud. If you need to do it at home by yourself or whatever, you need to speak right up and say, I don't want you. I don't want you. Leave me in Jesus name. Highland, stand up on your feet, everybody. We're going to do that. We're going to act on that. Right now, 